On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Houston Rockets feel like a very real threat to lure Fred Van Vliet per the latest reports, and the backup plans are pretty grim. Come on, we're spiraling together. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, June the 29th. It is free agency eve. At the time of recording, we are 30 hours out from the start of the free agency window. And uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're also on YouTube. It's much appreciated. And, uh, of course, you can come and join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server where, uh, boy, it's a place to be among friends. And this is a time where maybe that's a thing that you need as a Raptors fan, considering all of the uncertainty in the air and the reports suggesting that, uh, you know, the offseason of best laid plans might not be executed exactly as the Raptors potentially Hoped. We'll get into all that on today's show. The latest reporting from Mark Stein and Jake Fisher regarding Fred Van Vliet and a potential guy to replace Fred Van Vliet, who I think would be a terrible fit with the Raptors. But we'll get to that. We've also got other backup plans that maybe haven't been as reported, just sort of concocting ideas. And we got some listener questions to get to from all of you who are doing just fine right now. Uh, we got a lot of that coming up. But before we do that, just a reminder, today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. All right, let's do it. Let's talk about Gabe Vincent, I guess. Uh, of course, we'll talk about Fred Van Vliet. First, the latest reporting from Mark Stein on Thursday morning at his wonderful Substack newsletter. And look, you know, the, the insiders, they all have their sort of varying degrees of accuracy and merit. Uh, Mark Stein, usually pretty good on this stuff and has been pretty up to date on Raptors stuff in particular. Uh, the latest report is that it would be, quote-unquote, a surprise for league executives now if the Toronto Raptors, or sorry, if the Houston Rockets did not end up landing Fred Van Vliet on a deal that's going to look something like two years, $84 million-ish or so, which is the kind of balloon payment that will put the Raptors, I think, out of the running of keeping Fred Van Vliet if that's what Fred Van Vliet wants, right? You know, maybe there's the idea of longer-term security the Raptors could potentially offer with a three- or four-year deal. Maybe that compels compels Fred to stick around. But if it's a two-year balloon payment of $86 bucks, this is Mr. Betta on yourself. This is a guy who has always been very forward about, I'm going to go where the money is. Like, pay me up and I'll be here. And there's a chance that the Rockets will be the team that just pony up the most. The Raptors, as much as they legally could match anything that the, the Rockets do in terms of an offer and say, hey, you know, we'll sign you to two years, $84 million, I don't think that would be very wise for a Raptors team that, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to get hairy with the salary cap structure going forward here. And, you know, there, there is some element of, okay, 
if Fred Van Vliet's not back, there's at least some cap relief in the future, I suppose, that you can kind of bake into the plans, and maybe that makes the maneuvering down the line a little easier, but the team will be objectively worse off without Fred Van Vliet playing point guard for them next season. It is just a full stop, no-brainer. If you don't think that Fred Van Vliet drives positive play, you don't watch the Toronto Raptors the right way. He's very good at what he does, even if he's a flawed basketball player. And the backup options to Fred Van Vliet will illuminate exactly how valuable Fred Van Vliet is and was if, in fact, that's how things go and the Raptors are scrambling to find themselves a Fred Van Vliet replacement. Uh, we'll get in the second segment into, you know, maybe some sort of nuclear options if the fe- if Fred does, in fact, walk and what could go down. Um, but let's get into the Gabe Vincent stuff. So Gabe Vincent, uh, he's obviously from the Heat, had a wonderful playoff run for the Heat, 6'3 combo guard, 27 years older, going into his age 27 season, um, you know. He's got a lot to him. He had a wonderful, wonderful playoff run where he was outstanding. Some of the shots he made for that Heat team during that run were outstanding. It's also not representative of what he is as a player. And the reason I bring Gabe Vincent up is that Jake Fisher, Yahoo Sports, the People's Insider, reported yesterday uh, in his piece digging into Fred Van Vliet and what's going on there, as well as the Miami Heat and their very real salary cap maneuvering trouble that they're trying to balance while also maybe keeping an eye on Damian Lillard in Portland. Seems like it's a bit of a mess down there in Miami as far as the offseason machinations go. Uh, But there's a very real chance that Gabe Vincent and or Max Struess is going to be out of their price range and you know with them being preoccupied with Lillard maybe it's a chance you can poach one of those guys um Gabe Vincent obviously is a guard that's something the Raptors need anyway but would badly need if Fred Van Vliet walks and so it does make some sense you know okay this is the backup option he's one of the best guards available on the market you go throw your mid-level exception in full at him which you'll have access to if Fred Van Vliet does walk uh you won't have it if Fred's on the team because they'll be an over-the-cap team but that's for another day where we talk about when Fred Van Vliet actually stays in Toronto that's not what we're doing today we're spiraling. Um, so just in the event Fred walks, Gabe Vincent becomes potentially a target per Jake Fisher. And again, I get the sort of thinking of, okay, you know, there's something to the idea of replacing 70% of Fred Van Vliet's production with a player who will cost 30 to 35% of what Fred Van Vliet will cost on an annual basis. There is some logic to that. But when you start looking at the numbers, Gabe Vincent ain't it as far as the answer for this Raptors team if the Raptors want to be serious about being competitive next season, which all signs point to that being a thing that they want to do. Shall we dig into the numbers a little bit? They're grim. They're, they really are. When you sort of dig past the the playoff you know, outburst that Gabe Vincent had uh, and you just start comparing Fred Van Vliet with Gabe Vincent, it's night and day the Raptors would be getting a significantly worse player who fits significantly less well into what the Raptors do if that is, in fact, their backup plan A. Uh, some stats on Gabe Vincent. Per Cleaning the Glass, these are, I'm pulling from Cleaning the Glass as well as a little bit from NBA.com and their tracking data for all these sort of stats I'm about to drop on your head. Gabe Vincent, 11th percentile in rim frequency in the NBA this past season. That is very bad. 13th percentile in rim finishing. Also very bad. Uh, I'm going to pull up Fred Van Vliet's numbers. I had it open, then I lost the tab. That's fine. We'll get to it here in a second. But uh, that off the top, the rim pressure is just not a thing that Gabe Vincent is offering in any sort of way to the Raptors at the current time. And, and you know, look, different role. He joins a new team. Maybe there's some sort of developmental 
something you can kind of tap into there with, hey, you know, he hasn't done this before, but now he's given the keys to this team and this offense. Maybe there's a little bit more development to tap into. But let's be real. Gabe Vincent was an undrafted free agent who just barely kind of carved out a starting job for half the games this year for Miami, a team that was very helter-skelter in terms of players available and all of that. And he was fine, like perfectly fine probably exactly suited to the role he was in, which was like fifth option when he was in there, bench guy for half the games. You're not asking him to run a ton of pick and rolls. You have Kyle Lowry and and Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo to be running your offense and kind of you know flowing things through them. You're not going to run a million pick and rolls a game with Gabe Benson. You're not going to ask him to drive a ton. And so he didn't drive very much. It just wasn't a thing he did very much. Um, as I continue to struggle with cleaning the glass, it's hard to talk and click around. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, his uh, numbers last season, you know, again, not great getting to the rim, but 26th percentile, significantly better than Gabe Vincent. And as far as accuracy and shooting at the rim, 24th percentile, significantly better than the 13th percentile for Gabe Vincent. Um, beyond that, you know, Gabe Vincent, pretty good mid-range number, 91st percentile. You go, wow, that's great. Then you look at his shot chart, and he's basically a layups and threes guy. He's not someone who's taking those mid-range shots almost ever. Uh, you're mad about Fred Van Vliet being a 39% field goal shooter this year, which is a number that keeps getting thrown around, even though it's a dumb number to quote, because Fred Van Vliet is a high-volume three-point shooter. The field goal percentage is not the telling stat about his efficiency, but if you want to play that game, guess what? Gabe Vincent, a career 39.9% field goal shooter on significantly lower volume. Fred Van Vliet, four and a half pull-ups a game this past season. Pull-ups, very important. He's someone who has pull-up to his game. And, you know, when you're trying to run pick and roll, which presumably they're going to want to do with Darko Ryakovich coming in, pick and roll is how you get the advantage going for 0.5 second basketball. Uh, you're going to want someone with a pull-up threat. Gabe Vincent doesn't really have that in his bag. 1.8 pull-ups a game attempted, 3.3 catch-and-shoots. Fred had 4.3 catch-and-shoots, by the way. The volume you're losing from Fred Van Vliet to Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent, who played on a team in the Heat where he was just kind of asked to stand around and shoot threes when they came to him, played 26 minutes a game, so that it's not like it's exactly like a, a, a two-to-one comparison minutes-wise either here for these guys. Gabe Vincent just didn't have the same volume. You're going to lose that volume significantly. You're also going to lose drives, rim pressure, getting to the basket. Very important when you're trying to play 0.5 basketball. Paint touches, kickouts, that's the way you go about it. And it's not just that Fred Van Vliet's a better three-point shooter, it's that he creates more threes through those drives than Gabe Vincent does. He assisted on 2.2 threes a game this past season, Gabe Vincent just 1.1. Um, you know, it's just all the numbers paint Fred Van Vliet as just a significantly better basketball player who drives more positive play when he's on the floor. Uh, you know, you go to... Uh, drives per game. Fred Van Vliet, 18th in the entire league at 13.9 last year. Incredibly important plays for a team that didn't have a ton of guard play or guys who could create those advantages to get to the rim. Gabe Vincent, 5.2 drives per game. Fred averaging two assists a game on those drives. Gabe Vincent averaging 0.6. Again, not exactly, you know, a, a one, like I, there's not per minute numbers for these things, unfortunately, on NBA.com. If there were, that'd be helpful. It'd be a little closer in terms of the ratio, but not that much closer because Fred played like, you know, nine more minutes a game than Gabe Vincent did this season, 10 more minutes, whatever. Um, you know, it's still Fred's better in all of these areas. It's just, it's true. Um, the concept, again, of trying to replace 50%, 70% of Fred with someone who makes 30% of what Fred earns, great idea on, on, in, in a vacuum. 
Gabe Vincent is not the guy who's going to do that. He's not going to be someone you can throw in as your starter and say, hey, run all these pick and rolls, be our, our, our hub of offense, be our table setter. His entire career suggests he's not going to do that, and he's just going to do it at a lesser level than Fred Van Vliet. Because what's the hardest thing to do is to scale up efficiency when you're asked to do more and you have a higher burden on you. Fred Van Vliet's carried a massive burden for years and maintained pretty similar levels of efficiency over those years. Gabe Vincent has yet to even be asked to do that, and you can bake in some sort of drop-off in efficiency if Gabe Vincent were to be asked to, you know, take 15 shots a night, take eight, nine threes a game. That's a lot to put on a guy who's never done that before. Nice player, but again, you bring in Gabe Vincent and everyone who's been like, wow, Fred Van Vliet sucks. He's terrible. You can't have him on the team. You're going to quickly learn just how valuable Fred Van Vliet was if Gabe Vincent is backup plan number one for this Raptors team. Um, Again, even more stuff like driving on, you know, on court positive play. Fred Van Vliet has done that his entire career. He has been a positive player when he has stepped on the floor outside of the 2019-20 season where he had a slight negative differential when he was on the floor. But the last three seasons, plus six positive differential with him on the floor, plus six positive differential in 21-22, and then a plus 9.1 in 2020-2021, uh, the Tampa season. Again, team context plays into these numbers and all, and all that, but point is, he's on the floor, the Raptors are better. Gabe Vincent has been a negative player for the most part in his season and was a 0.1 plus positive player this past season per 100 possessions when he was on the floor. It's just not it. And so if Fred Van Vliet walks, you're staring down some tough questions and there's going to have to be other backup plans and contingency plans. And I do think there are some that are more attractive to me than Gabe Vincent as a backup option to Fred Van Vliet that could maybe help you do the thing where you save some money, replace some of Fred's production, and actually still field a pretty competitive team. If Gabe Vincent's your only point guard option, I don't think that's possible. We'll get into some of those other backup plans that I've kind of cooked up in my mind, uh, and we'll uh, get into some maybe nuclear options if, in fact, Fred walks away too. Does it open up more possibility for a Pascal Siakam trade? Maybe it should, and that bums me out to say, but we'll get to that in just a second. Before we dive in, got to tell you, better good friends over at Prize Picks, who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, very accessible. Highly recommend you check them out if you've got that daily fantasy sports itch. Baseball season's on right now. It's a perfect time for that. WNBA season's rolling strong, too. You can make Prize Picks entries there as well. And they're super easy to make. All you got to do is pick two to six players and whether they'll get more or less than their projection in a given stat that given night. And if you win all six entries, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry that is incredible uh there's no competing against other people it's just you against the projections no shadow expert with a team you gotta beat that you have no idea what to even do as far as building your lineup to beat that team it's a, it's a, it's just the, the best way to play daily fantasy sports, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada and every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will match that. Just give you $100 like that into your account as well, so you got $200 to play with. Go ahead and do that. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 with prize picks all right it's a spiral thursday here on locked on raptors usually i'm a pretty uh 
you know, even keel dude when it comes to the Raptors. And ultimately, things will be fine, I'm sure. They still have Scotty Barnes. They still have trade maneuverability if they want to do that. They've got Grady Dick coming in the door. Everyone's very excited about Grady Dick. Pascal Siakam's a two-time All-NBA player. They have an all-defense player in OG Ananobi. It's not that bad big picture, probably. But you lose Fred Van Vliet. And it gets a lot worse, and it gets a lot more tricky to pull off this vision, which is clearly to try to run it back one more time and see if you can milk a little bit more out of this roster, a roster everyone agreed a year ago was very talented and really underperformed. New coach, fresh ideas, couple new pieces, and maybe there's the leap there that was hoped for a year ago still possible gets a lot less possible if there's no Fred Van Vliet because, again, regardless of his weaknesses and, and faults as a player, which there are some, no doubt, uh, there's just not a better replacement for him to be found right now unless you get really weird and creative and, frankly, unrealistic with what you're doing in, in the trade machine. Um, so what are the backup options if, if Fred leaves? Again, Gabe Vincent reportedly is one. I would steer the hell clear of that if, uh, if, if at all possible. Um, I know our pal Amit Mann over at Yahoo mentioned Javon Carter today as a potential option. I think Javon Carter is a backup, frankly. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's going to solve your problems. It's like a sort of less potent version of Gabe Vincent almost. He's a good player. He'd be a lovely backup to have if you have Fred Van Vliet. Like, I, I still think you can't, you got to have more than one point guard. <laughs> that seems pretty academic to me, but apparently not. Either way, uh, like Javon Carter would be a lovely second back, you know, point guard option. I, I don't think he's your starter. And if he's your starter, you're in some trouble. Um, you know, the other ones, I mean, we've talked about the Wizards, of course. There is a possibility of something there, right? What does it take to get one of Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, or Monte Morris? And I think it's maybe that in that order that I'd prefer them. I love Monte Morris. I've been clamoring for the Raptors to get him for a while, but I think he's probably the third best of those three guys right now. Maybe he's the easiest to achieve and attain in a trade, and maybe that works. But um, I do wonder, can you call up the Wizards and say, hey, here's Chris Boucher and maybe a couple future seconds, although the Raptors' future seconds are tied up till 2028 right now due to the Yakup Pirtle trade and the convey rules that are, in, are tied in there. I'm sure you could talk yourself into taking those protections off the second round picks and sorting it out regardless uh you know you can probably find a way to to make some sort of compelling offer maybe you know we've been kicking around chris boucher as this sort of trade piece maybe you get a little you know a little more sort of ballsy and say hey here's precious achua plus maybe another salary to try to get tyus jones in the door maybe that's what it takes for washington to want to make that move Washington feels like they're pretty amenable to anything right now. Like they're just kind of in asset accrual mode. And if you can give them something real or or a project player like a Precious Achua to throw into that mix, maybe there's something there. It's tough. You know, these trades are hard to make happen. But there are those three point guards in Washington who I'd prefer all three, frankly, to Gabe Vincent. You know, Monte Morris actually has experience running an offense for a good team for an entire season with that Denver Nuggets team that didn't have Jamal Murray. Like, Monte Morris was big there. That's a, that's a big one. DeLon Wright, a delightful player to watch. I'd be totally fine. I'm a nostalgic mark. Like, you'll always convince me with nostalgia that it's the right move. Um, but I actually think DeLon Wright would be a pretty nice addition to this team as a sort of a bigger point guard type who can actually get to the rim and do that stuff. He's been a better three-point shooter over the years as well. And then Tyus Jones, like, he is probably the closest approximation to Fred VanVleet you can find out there. Obviously, much less in terms of production over the years, but he's been very good, very steady in long stretches, starting without 
John Morant in the lineup for the Grizzlies. There's something there. I would probably call up Washington if Fred walks on Friday, and that's my first sort of call to see if you can get Tyus Jones. Um, someone who, by the way, I traded for in the Lockton NBA mock draft before the draft went down. Uh, I had to trade OG Ananobi to do that and get some picks. I, I don't want to really... Uh, go down that road again um, but Tyus Jones for Chris Boucher and some stuff for Precious Achua and some stuff maybe there's something there for a Wizards team that really should have no qualms about who's on their team as much as they're just trying to you know lose and get as many high picks as you can um, you know like I said if Fred walks you'll have your mid-level exception to work with about 12.2 million bucks uh, you know Dennis Schroeder, probably not spending the whole mid-level exception on him. Can you convince Jordan Clarkson to sign like a full mid-level deal with you? Or is he going to stick there in Houston? Sorry, Utah. Can you convince Bruce Brown like for the full 12.2? It seems like the Lakers are probably going to make a push for him. There might be a cap space team that is more compelling, more contenders who are more compelling to a guy who just proved he could be an essential cog in a championship team. I doubt the Raptors get into that conversation, but I'd give him a call because Bruce Brown rules. Um, you know, it, these are kind of the, the options, right? And this is the option too, like if Yaka Pertl also stays, which all the reporting from Jake Fisher and Mark Stein seems to suggest that's going to happen probably around 20 million bucks a year for Yaka Pertl. Maybe that's a little rich for your blood. I think it's perfectly fine. Nikola Vucevic just made 20 million bucks. I think 20 million is going to be a movable number, you know, regardless if you feel like you need to move on. Um, Yaka Pertl's good. He would help this team. And even if you're kind of going into more of a younger pivot, I know there have been like the sort of rumors out there that he doesn't want to be part of some kind of rebuild. I don't think it would be really a full rebuild for the Raptors, considering they already have Scotty Barnes going into year three. They have OG Ananobi. Like, they have guys. Gary Trent Jr., there's a little bit more experienced and seasoned talent on this team. Even if they're going young and moving on from Pascal, uh, I think Yak would be worth keeping around, even if you lose Fred. But there is the nuclear option of Fred leaves, the run-it-back plan kind of falls apart, and then maybe you have to revisit the Pascal trade thing. Seems harder to do. The draft felt like the time to trade Pascal, no doubt. Um, but, you know, more teams now have future picks that are available with the new league year coming in. Maybe you can get some sort of package that, that excites you. Frankly, none of the proposed packages really do excite me. Like, you look around the league and it's just, like, pretty grim scene as far as, like, okay... The Hawks are going to offer you like some poo-poo platter of guys they don't want. Um, you know, is there a deal out there at all? Like you get back on the horn with the Blazers. If you're not getting Shaden Sharp along with Anthony Simons, then I don't think you do it because Pascal is just a better player than Anthony Simons. And I'd rather just have him on the team. Um, but, you know, it, maybe some team comes out of the woodwork. Some team strikes out in free agency and says, OK, we got to go do this thing. And they throw you a godfather offer for Pascal. At that point, if Fred's not back, you have to look at that in a way that you wouldn't if Fred were back and you were committed to this running it back thing. And it, frankly, it feels like they're very pot committed to running it back as it stands. So maybe it's harder to make that pivot and you just go into the season sort of, you know, almost with like a, a I don't know, some sort of thing to weigh, like a ball and chain on your leg, just like not quite at the same level you could be if you had Fred Van Vliet when you bring in some sort of backup option. But uh, yeah, it's... Uh, Fred leaving would be really bad, full on, for the health of the Raptors franchise. Whatever you feel about Fred Van Vliet, like him or not, hate him or not, the people who hate Fred Van Vliet, like, I just, I, I, I don't get it. We've, we've done it to litigate that, litigate that again. I get not liking him as a basketball player. The stuff where you kind of go beyond into the personal is uh, really bizarre to me, but the, the backup options are not very good, and it might 
send the Raptors down a bit more of a nuclear path with Pascal Siakam. I still think you probably keep OG just because, you know, if you trade Pascal, Fred's not back, the money becomes less of a concern, and OG is a wonderful fit next to Scotty Barnes. I think you just roll with that. But, you know, all sorts of things could happen if Fred walks and the backup options are not there. Please not Gabe Vincent. Ugh, I don't want. To, I feel like I'm being mean to Gabe Vincent too. I don't want to be mean to Gabe Vincent. He seems like a cool player. Built himself into a player for nothing. He's going to get paid. He deserves to get paid. I just know if the Raptors should be the team to pay him. Uh, we're going to come back, close up the show with a few listener questions. We got a few that came in from all of you folks who are uh, definitely not spiraling either. Uh, we'll get to that in a sec. Before we do that, however, go check out Locked On Leafs. Uh, the NHL draft is ongoing right now. The Leafs have a very big offseason ahead. They made no trades going into the draft. It's perplexing. Uh, they're re-signing guys. Their GM seems like maybe he stinks. I don't know. I, I'm mad at the Leafs. If you're the mad at the Leafs too, want to hear people who uh, have better, smarter things to say about the Leafs, go check out Mike and Dave. Dave and Locked On Leafs. It's a wonderful wonderful program they'll have reaction to their draft pick last night and all that good stuff all right let's uh continue on here uh just a reminder uh, check out our show every day if you're not an everyday listener you're missing out we do great stuff here five days a week uh all sorts of wide-ranging conversations sometimes i get in a soapbox like i did yesterday uh about the cba sometimes we just do uh you know good old-fashioned raps talk either way thanks to the everydayers of the podcast if you're a new listener of the show which there are a lot of those lately uh love you appreciate you please subscribe rate review tell a friend all that good stuff as well and join our discord huh the dis- link is in the description as always um Listener questions. Let's round it out here. We got some questions from the good folks out there, mostly in the Discord, because that's the place to go if you want your questions answered now, okay? Um, first one here comes from Skip to My Lou. <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about a world which maybe doesn't have any merit anymore while we still can. Uh, Skip to My Lou asks, how, adva- how advantageous will continuity be in the East next year? Uh, well, well, our continuity specifically, referring to the Toronto Raptors. Um, would be nice to have the continuity going into the year. That said, a big thing that I had as like a reason for optimism last season was the Raptors were returning like 95% of their minutes from their 48-win season, and things fell apart. Now, Pascal Siakam getting hurt in 10 games into the season, you could argue, nuked the, the continuity entirely because it totally changed the complexion of the team, and by the time he got back, it was all kind of a mess and very misshapen, and the continuity had been kind of destroyed. Um, you had guys in another lineup, etc. I don't think they really got to take advantage of their continuity last year necessarily outside of the first 10 games. Um, it's not everything. It is something, though. Like, these guys know how to play with one another. They had a bit of a rapport down the stretch. The basketball looked more like real cohesive basketball in the last 26 games with Jakob Pertl. Um, And in an Eastern Conference where, you know, I think the Nets are due to drop off, I don't think the Knicks are like this juggernaut team that you have to pencil in as a, as a top six team or anything like that. A team with continuity like the Raptors very well could come in, get some internal growth. It's kind of like... Are we a year ago now? I feel like we're in a time loop, but that was the argument going into last year, and and I frankly think it does hold merit. Just because the continuity didn't pay off last season doesn't mean the history, uh, you know, John Schumann's sort of great deep dives into continuity at NBA.com, the history still says the more continuity you have, the better your team is going to be, most likely. It's not always going to be the case. I don't know why I had a weird Jordy accent when I said most likely, but... uh... (laughs) Apologies there to the lovely uh, for people from the Geordie Shore, I suppose. But uh, yeah, continuity would be great. 
it seems as though maybe the continuity is not going to be on the table for the Raptors, which uh, is a bummer. Uh, another quick one here from Skip to My Lou. Why are we getting so many low ball offers? OG for Poole, previously Collins and a pick for Siakam from the Hawks. It's a combination of things, right? You know, it's the fear of a guy leaving after a year. Both of those guys have ostensibly expiring contracts, and, you know, that the fear of them not resigning is a thing. Um, you know, I think the Raptors would probably be more confident in keeping those guys than any other team would be if they were to trade for them. So there's that. Um, there is, I, I do think there's just like, kind of a general undervaluing of OG and Pascal in the whole discourse of it all. I know the whole thing is, oh, Masai values his guys too much, but, like, is he valuing an all-defense player who's, like, one of the single best defensive players alive who can credibly guard all five positions is the player in the league who arguably has had the best luck, small sample, yes, but the best luck guarding the best player in basketball, the guy through whom the entire Western Conference is going to run, presumably for the next three or four years, and Nikola Jokic, like, he's an incredibly valuable player, is OG. Of course the Raptors should be holding out for a massive haul because they have no obligation to trade him. And so I, I do feel like this sort of idea of, oh, well, the Raptors only won 41 games. Their guys can't be that good. It's just dumb. It, it, it just it totally erases away team context and nuance and doesn't really look at the individual player. OG Ananobi is a hot commodity for a reason. And if he was available on the open market right now, teams would be falling over themselves to go and sign him because he's the kind of guy who can be the final piece to a championship team. And so, yeah, I, I think the right Raptors are right to not accept horrible offers for Jordan Poole for OG Ananobi. Uh, yeah, sometimes my, my my brother will offer to kick me in the nuts. I don't accept it because it's a bad deal. What am I getting out of this? Um, that's kind of the OG for Poole thing. Like Jordan Poole, yes, he can score. Can he do anything else? I kind of don't think so. Um, maybe I'm being harsh. I'm feeling spicy today. Whatever. As far as the Pascal thing, I, I do think like he's genuinely one of the most underrated players in basketball. I think front office, front, front office executives probably get it a little bit more and know that he's excellent. And, you know, a, a serious team would come with a real offer for him. But it is, uh, you know, it, it it's just... So the trade market's tough right now. Like the, I think it's kind of warped because everyone's brain is broken from the Rudy Gobert trade, and it's sort of in this period of trying to reset the market almost. And it's almost like teams are going out of their way to be like, "Well, we're not doing the Rudy Gobert trade again, so we're going to do nothing." Like we don't want to be the wolves here. And so there's like a, a fear and a reticence. There's also like the Hawks only have so much to offer because they've traded all their picks for Dejounte Murray, um, and they only have you know that they're, they're they're in a, a cap bind themselves and. DeJounte Murray has one year left on his deal. And so it's just, it's a weird confluence of a market that's kind of out of whack, a financial scene in the league where there's a lot of penny pinching going on and a lot of concern about what the new CBA is going to do and probably a, a little bit of undervaluing of what the Raptors have on hand as well. And, you know, it, it, that's probably why it's happening. You know, we don't get word of the good offers. We get word of the bad offers, really. And that's another thing to keep in mind here too. Um Let's go quickly through a couple more questions. Uh, this one comes from Ben Chapman. What number is Gabe Vincent going to wear? Uh, number 11, as in the percentile at which he gets to the rim. Uh, <laughs> God, please no. Uh, the next one here, offseason. Will the new penalties of 150K fine and possible suspension for a player requesting trade do anything? Would the NBA really suspend a player of Luka Doncic's stature in the league for asking out? Um, look. 
Are teams dissuaded right now from the half-million-dollar fines that come down for tampering seemingly every year? No. Are they dissuaded by the draft pick penalties that could come with that? No. Do I think 150 k fine for someone who's going to make $250 million over the life of a contract going to matter? No, I really don't. Um, you know, if 150 k and a couple-game suspension is the cost of doing business to get where you want to go, I think superstars are just going to do that. That feels like kind of a, a meek addition to the CBA to try to curb trade requests. I don't think they're going anywhere. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just the history of the league suggests to me that that is not going to be the case whatsoever. Uh, and let's get to one last quick question here. This one comes from Mr. Nunes uh, asking, how long do you believe Fred and Yak will be free agents? Do they make it to free agency? Do they make it to Saturday morning? Uh, so they will make it to free agency at this point. Fred opted out. He's going to make it to free agency. Yakup Pirtle's a UFA. He's going to wait till free agency and sort of the moratorium, whatever, to begin. Uh, that's when we'll hear about this stuff. We're not going to hear word, I think, of a Yakup Pirtle trade before 6 p- or signing uh, before 6 p.m. on Friday. That said... Would I be shocked if 6 p.m. Friday we get word on where Fred's going and where Yak's going? There's been enough noise this week that, you know, I think we could get a resolution to that pretty quickly. Um, But it's hard to say. Maybe Fred wants to gauge the market, all of this. And, and you know, it should be said. We talked about Fred off the top in the Houston, the lure of Houston. It's still very possible. That's like Clutch's last play to get the most of the Raptors, too, right? Like, all of the rumors these days are... uh, there's an agenda behind every single one of them. You can't forget that as you're kind of breaking them all down. But uh, yeah, I, I think it could be pretty quick with Yak and Fred. You hope it's quick with Yak and Fred because then that allows you to actually make your decisions going and, and sort of figuring out the next thing to do. The last thing you want is to be waiting on their decision while the rest of the league is signing and finding deals. Uh, it'll kind of be like where the Raptors were when they were kind of holding hope that Giannis was not going to sign the Supermax back in 2020. And they ended up kind of waiting out the market and ended up with Aaron Baines as their mid-level guy, which was, I think, down the list of options potentially of who they could have kept or could have gotten in the door. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it's quick. I would imagine it will be considering how much noise has been going on. And it's not like the free agency of Fred Van Vliet and Yaka Pirtle has, has not been a thing on the top of the Raptors front office's mind for like four months. Um, you know, I feel like by now... We kind of, Fred probably knows what he wants to do by now, right? Like, is one more meeting after six o'clock on Friday going to change things? We'll see. Um, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Thanks to the listeners for sending in questions. Uh, and uh, I promise it won't be this spirally tomorrow. I actually, in the grand scheme, still think there's a very real chance Fred's back and they do the run it back thing and it's all good. Um, but the the chances seem a little bit slimmer by the day considering the reporting that's coming out. So we shall see. Um, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review to the show. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that. We'll be back again tomorrow in the morning. Whatever the fresh slop is in the slop trough, we'll dig into that. And uh, if there's any stuff that breaks throughout the day, we'll, we'll pop on hopefully and do some quick reaction or even just like a quick YouTube short or something to hold you over until the mainline podcast drops a little later on in the weekend or, or next week or whatever it might be. We'll, we'll play it by ear with free agency. How about that in the meantime please go subscribe follow rate review tell a friend go and uh, join the locked on raptors discord great place to be going into free agency and all that good stuff and we will talk to you again on friday another episode of locked on raptors thanks so much bye-bye